Dear Father, we thank you tonight for your faithfulness to your word and by your spirit. We ask tonight that you flood our understanding with your understanding. Together as a church, we behold Jesus Christ, your son, even as he sees us in him. And in this service is glorified as we are edified alongside the body of Christ all over the world. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So, so, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and 15. Hallelujah. Learning something? Good, good, good. If you didn't come in the morning, I pray for you. Hallelujah. <laughs> 2 Timothy 3, 15. That from a child, thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation. Let me know what you were in the service. Salvation through? Through what? You go too quick. Salvation through what? Yep. Through believing in the faithfulness of God. Is that clear? We said the word is a it's a compound word called the codified language that has to do with God's word and faith in his word. His word is his faithfulness. Is that clear? Okay, good. So verse 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Right? Genesis to where? Come on, talk to me. Malachi, right? Profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction in righteousness. Okay? So we did some study earlier in the morning. I'm just going to cap it up today and tomorrow morning I've asked that we have an extended service so that I can take care of the topic a little bit more. So I'll just do some um, tidying up tonight and then we see what we can work out tomorrow morning. Now, it's clear therefore that the background of the New Testament books is the Old Testament. Is it clear now? Very clear. So we saw earlier on that the concept of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all started from where? Genesis. The book of generation, Matthew 1.1. 1, 1. And you notice they closed with Genesis. Do you also notice it? All right. They opened with Genesis and closed with Genesis. So Matthew 1.1. 1, 1. Matthew 28, 20. Lo, I'm with you always. That's Genesis, right? Come on now. Mark 1, 1. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's all close to Genesis. Matthew 16, 20. We'll see that in a moment. 19, 20. Then we also saw Luke. Now Luke, interestingly, starts its beginning from the back. Luke 24 and 27. Begin at Moses and all the prophets. He expounds to them in all the scriptures and things concerning himself. However... In verse 44, these are the words which I spake to you while I was with you, that all things were written in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms concerning me. Okay? Then John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word. That's clear enough, right? The word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning of God, in the morning. Then in John 20, 22, he breathed on and said, receive ye the Holy Ghost. We saw that that's Genesis account. Now, quickly. Notice something that we explored the last time. Matthew 19, 30 again. You need every detail of what I'm saying here. Matthew 19, 
18, verse 30. And many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. Remember that? And we said it's not that those who were born again first will not lose their salvation. That's absolutely nothing close to what he's saying. So we want to quickly explore the word first and last. The word first in the Greek is the word proton or pros. Both ways is fine. Proton, P-R-O-T-O-N, or pros. Okay? Now, that word is for before or at the first or the commencement. Remember, we have a word that we looked at in the morning, katabole, foundation of the world. Remember? We said foundation of the world refers to where? Genesis. Before the foundation of the world. From the foundation of the world. We looked at a few texts, Matthew 13, 33, 34, Hebrews 4, verse 1 to 3, into 4, and uh, I I think we looked at Hebrews 11, 11. Sarah, right? Ephesians 1, verse 4. The word foundation of the world refers to Genesis, the Lamb of God that was slain. Okay? Now, from the book of life written from the foundation of the world. Let's just leave that out tonight. <laughs> so the foundation of the world is Genesis. John 17, 5, before the world was. John 17, 24, at the foundation of the world. You love me from the foundation of the world. And we said... The foundation of the world refers, we studied, sorry, refers to Genesis. The account in Genesis is foundation of the world. So I gave you another definition in the morning, and I said the word foundation of the world also is when you sow what? A seed. Now, listen very well. Jesus taught in parables, right? Why? Because that is the context of the beginning. Remember, that's what we said. Okay, good. So now notice that the topmost parable of Jesus, Matthew 13, is the parable of the sower. The topmost parable of Jesus is the parable of the sower. And um, let, let me look at the Max account. Max account brings out something critical about the parable of the sower. Mark's account, Mark 4, verse 13. Let's read it together now. Mark 4, 13. Are you there? And he said unto them, Know ye not this parable? How then would you know all parables? As a matter of fact, this is as a, as a minister, I, I, I mean, uh, this is my first series of teaching as a preacher. <laughs> okay? Because of this statement. If you don't know this Bible, how would you know the other parables? Now, from what Matthew told us, Jesus didn't teach without parables. So, if you don't understand this Bible, how would you understand all his teaching? So, what is this Bible? Come on now, let's see. So, hang in there. Hang this one in there and hold on. So we said, foundation of the world means what? Genesis. Now we said, now, katabuli, cosmos, katabuli, anion, both the ways, fine. So we said in Hebrews 11, 11, by faith, Sarah conceived. 
seed. And that's the word katabole. We said that means foundation of the word means to what? Sow seed. Are you following? So another meaning of Genesis is what? To sow seed. Remember? Genesis also means new beginning. Right? Oh, was that clear enough? New beginning, fresh beginning. Genesis also means firstborn, first fruit. So listen carefully. So the parable of the sower is Jesus, pay attention here, giving us the Genesis theology again. If you miss Genesis, you miss every other thing. So the parable of the sower is Genesis because Genesis is the foundation. Notice Genesis so you get it. If you don't get it, you have to get it. Genesis 1, verse 10 into 11. Let the earth bring forth grass and herb yielding seed and fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind whose seed is in itself upon his earth and it was so. So notice, Genesis is where seed was what? Sown. Now we're not done. In verse 29, I'm giving you every herb bearing seed which is upon the face of earth and every tree in which is the fruit of a tree you know, to do, it shall be for meat. Now, in Genesis 2, we find Seed in the earth growing as tree and all that. But look at Genesis 3 again. Genesis 3. Man. Well, let's say Adam and Eve. They had committed transgression and disobedience. And God's response is in 15. I put enmity between thee and the woman. Between our seed and your seed. Or your seed and her seed. So, God's redemptive plan is through what? The seed. New beginning? Come on. Come on. Is a seed a new beginning? Good. So, you have, and that's redemption and salvation. So, what, when Eve had a child, she said, okay, let me just see this quickly. Um, Genesis 4, 25. And Adam knew his wife, and again she bore a son, and called his name Seth. For God, as he said, had appointed me another seed. So, is seed an agricultural <laughs> explosion? Or is referring to persons? You getting this? Or spiritual entity. Now, notice that Genesis now, we have Genesis 9. Genesis 9. That's Genesis 9. Genesis 8.22. You have, while it remains seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. That's again to uh, Noah. Then Genesis chapter 12, 
is God speaking to Abraham. Verse 2. I'll make of thee a great nation. I'll, I'll bless thee and thou shalt and make your name great. And that shall be a blessing. I'll bless them that bless thee, curse them that curse thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth, he says, be blessed. Look at 7. Unto thy seed will I give this land. So you see that that statement goes to the end of Genesis. So Genesis is the story of what? Seed sowing. So that's foundation of the world. Are you there? Very good. That's Genesis. Seed. It's the seed. So pay good attention. You know, don't lose this one. Please don't. So Genesis is seed being sown. So watch this now. Watch this. So Genesis has one name, foundation of the world, right? Yep. Genesis. First is first also Genesis, proton. You know, because the word before the foundation of the world is the word pros, pros catabole. So which means that's P-R-O-S, catabole, K-A-T-A-B-O-L-E. So which means it's by the first, okay? So the first refers to when the seed is sown. The beginning. Okay? So, that's the word first. Are you saying Matthew 19? Now, the word last there is eschaton in the Greek. Last. Eschaton. Now, when you, you know, if you're in school, they say, he came first. That means he's the best. So he came last. That means he's the worst. But Bible language is different. Last is actually the best. Because first is when you sowed the seed. Last is when you harvested the seed. Hallelujah. <laughs> you hear? You hear? So, foundation of the earth or the world, the seed is sown. Okay? Last eschaton. It means fulfillment or fruitfulness. So, the first shall be the last. Is a harvest word. The last shall be the first, which means what was sown in Genesis is what you are going to get. Come on, let me see your hand. Good. So we said, watch this. Isaiah again, 44, were there yesterday, remember? You remember? You remember? Isaiah 44. Verse 6, I am the first and I am the last. So, I am the first, I am the last. You know, it means I am the beginning and I am the fulfillment. Okay? Or I am the seed sown, I'm the harvest. I am the first and the last. Now, Revelation 1. Anybody in the house? 
You following? Mm. Revelation 1. I am verse 11. I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. The first and last. So I, I skip one. Verse 8. The beginning. Hey, see beginning? Okay. Genesis. The ending. Ending, there's another word for last. Okay? The beginning and the ending. Alpha and Omega. Are you following this? Good. So, I am the seed sown where? Huh? Okay. And I bring the harvest. Right? So, last is harvest. Harvest. Seed sown. Last is harvest. You there? Are you there? Last is harvest. Okay? Wrath of Hebrews has another phrase for it. The author. Hebrews 12 too. And finisher. Author means beginning, right? And finisher. So put this in your record books. First and last. Huh? First and last. Genesis. Right? First and last. Fulfillment. Okay? Foundation of the world. Right? Foundation of the world. Right? And you have foundation beginning. Then you have last days. <laughs> so last days is not when the world is going to end. Last days is when the harvest will come. The fulfillment of what was sown at the first comes out at the last days. Who's following this? Good, 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 good. So you have last days. Let me try and see whether I can add this part. Zechariah 10.1 You notice we are moving faster than before. Right? Zechariah 10.1 Ask ye of the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain. In the time of the latter rain. Now latter rain, it says, and he will as I make bright clouds and give them, he says, showers of rain to every, he says, grass on the field. Look at Joel 2.23 Joel 2, 23. I'll call the B-Pack. And be glad when you children of Zion and rejoice in the Lord our God, for you have given you the former rain moderately. He will cause you to come down from you the rain, the former rain and the latter rain. There's a latter rain, which means the rain of the harvest. So latter, which is the word last, eschaton in the Greek, is the fulfillment of what was sown. So let's bring it home. So the seed of the woman, right? Let's, I know you know this, so let's, let's waste time on this. The seed of the woman is God, correct? Jesus, right? Come on. Uh-huh. Is God. Watch this. 
The seed of the woman is God, Jesus. And so the harvest will come from that seed, the last days. So when you have last days, it is the finishing point of the first days. Is not the time where you are going to get 666. Last days is the harvest or the fulfillment. That is what it is. That's what last days mean. The harvest or the fulfillment. So, notice in Joel 2, it now says in 28, it shall come to pass afterwards I will pour out my spirit. You know, the Old Testament uses rain for the spirit. Huh? You know that, right? Isaiah 44 verse 3, and go on and on. Rain, water, spirit. Jesus does, does that a lot. Ezekiel 36, verse 26 and 27. So, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. He's the latter rain. Which is in fulfillment of the harvest. So, last days, Joel 2, 28, Acts 2, 17. It shall come to pass, saith God, I'll pour out my spirit on in the last days. So, first and last referred to Genesis and the fulfillment of what God sowed in Genesis. Let me see if I'm following this. Is it clear enough now? So, before the foundation of the world, you loved me, right? Before the foundation of the world, you promised. Before the foundation of the world, seed was sown. Then, it says, watch this. The glory I had with you before the foundation of the world, which is the last. That means what was promised or what was sown is now coming to pass. So, quit thinking last days mean the coming of the Antichrist to give you 666. Or what else is it? To blow trumpet or something, and you run away, or something like that. That's not what last days mean. Last days is the word eschaton, E S C H A T O N. It means when you say, okay, let me give you an answer. When you say, at last, you know, yeah, at last. For example, um, maybe you're expecting a mail, and they said they've sent the mail. Then you got it at last. It doesn't mean that's the end of your life. It simply means what was sent has been received. Is it making sense? Aha. Uh-huh. So last days is the time of the fulfillment of something God said. So make sure you don't lose that because it's coming out in our study. Last days, saith God, I'll pour out my spirit in the last days. Okay? But, so now you wonder, but how come 
last days also seem to have some events that are not good. Paul says perilous times will come. Second Timothy chapter 3 verse 1. And you find out that's perilous times. Last days, Matthew 24, in case you want to include that, you have persecution. So you say, ah, but there's persecution there. Remember where we started, Genesis 3.15. Enmity between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. So last days will come with a harvest of persecution. Is that clear? And you see, harvest of persecution? Evil? Huh? Abba. It was evil. Evil is there now. Evil. Last days. So it's to oppose God's plan. Because last days to us is God's plan coming to pass. So put it somewhere. We're going to see this in a moment. Or maybe tomorrow morning. So the resurrection of Jesus is the summary, or let's say the beginning of the last days. The beginning. Oh, at last. Hallelujah. Oh, at last. Glory to God. That's what last days mean. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You okay? Are you okay? Looking good. So that's what last is. We should have that first and last. First and last refers to Jesus. Okay? He's the firstborn. Okay? He's the firstborn. And he's not the lastborn. Amen. <laughs> last will mean bringing a harvest home. Was that clear? Bringing many sons to glory. Come on. You there? Bringing a harvest. That's last day. I guess you're still thinking in your head because you got those movies. Mark 4. This Tan Thunder. Left Behind. Mark of the Beast. They're ringing in your head and go, oh, oh, oh. Oh, 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 Hell. Seen those movies before? Bunny Hell? Have you seen them before? Bunny Hell? Have you watched This Tan Thunder? Ah. Left behind. Mark of the beast. Ah. You get it heavy quickly. You get it? Yeah, most of those movies, with due respect, they're built on very terrible theology. Very horrible theology. Because they got it wrong. And when you get it wrong, your movies will be wrong. Okay? <laughs> You have other six six years of devil that the Antichrist is going to show up. The Antichrist is going to show up. And I've lived to see many Antichrists. There was one I've seen Osama bin Laden, Saddam Hussein. They had Pope John Paul II. Many Antichrists, all dead. And you have uh, there's King Juan Carlos of Spain. If I used to preach on that one, that's the Antichrist. Then we now have uh, Obama, because a black man became a president, so he has to be Antichrist. And it's Obama Hussein, or, 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 or um, Barack Hussein Obama. Oh, a Muslim at the White House, Antichrist. 
So they said it's going to spread 666. He's gone now. The next president. So, so they also for the next victim of that false doctrine. So Bill Gates got a bug in 2020 because he, he, he was talking about vaccines. Ah, Bill Gates is a billionaire. He still uses Microsoft. Aren't you silly? <laughs> you know, and because the theology of an antichrist showing up, and he says, I'm here. And he shows up on CNN. I'm the king of the world. Yeah. So he's going to watch everybody. Anywhere you go, he's going to see where you go to. He's watching everybody. One guy, just one guy. Yeah. So Jesus has come. He's taking away the, the believers. Woo, 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 woo. He packs everybody up. So people disappear. Bam, 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 bam. You're in church and the pastor is still remaining. Everybody's gone. You know. <laughs> so, woo, 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 woo. What's going on? Everybody's crying. Everybody's crying. They're gone. Announcement on CNN. This is to announce the new world government. Added by. <gasps> it's going to buy. She said, everybody's going to get 666 or else you can't not buy fried chicken. So, oh boy. So they put sixes on everybody. Oh, pam, 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 pam. So you can't start to run. They're pursuing you, you know. And you're running and running and running. Because when those movies were made, we didn't know about drones or CCTV. So they thought it was something supernatural. Now we have drones and cities used by churches. So that theology is just dumb, okay? So they say, okay, they're going to give you a Mac on your body. Oh, so I got a Mac on my body. And I get a Mac. So I get a Mac. I get a Mac. If I get a Mac, I can cut the Mac off. So no, no, no. If you cut it off, it's going to show up somewhere else. <gasps> Everybody's scared. They're scared of Antichrist. And the Antichrist has been in the world since Genesis. <laughs> what do you think Cain was? <laughs> That's the Antichrist. Amen. <laughs> That's what Antichrist means. Amen? Trusting that Jesus didn't say Antichrist. It was only John used Antichrist. Jesus used false Christ. You know? And when John wrote 666 in Revelation, he doesn't mention Antichrist. So, but what we have done is we mix everything together. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah. Are you having fun? Yeah, I think so. Matthew 24 says, one shall be taken away, one shall be left. He said, Lord, may I be taken away and not left behind. Oh, my God. Have you read that story before? He's talking about an invasion of Jerusalem. Those who are taken away are those who are taken into captivity. Those who are left behind are those who escaped. Amen. Hallelujah. So sometimes... We believe the wrong stuff. Okay? So last days is not when the world is going to end. It's when God's promise 
has come to pass. Is that clear? Amen. Come on, guys. You getting this? Okay, good. So Genesis is the beginning, the first, the foundation, right? Where the seed is sown. That's Genesis. Good. You need to wrap this up quick. That's what Genesis means. Foundation of the world, first, beginning of the, uh, be, uh, sorry, beginning, RK, Genesis, that's Genesis. So everyone builds the teaching from Genesis. Gives you a right picture. So in Genesis chapter 1, right? Okay, before we go to Genesis, let's look at our text tonight. Uh, I'll just touch it briefly because I still have tomorrow morning, so I'll just leave it out for tomorrow morning. Acts 2.1. Now, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all one accord in one place. Okay? I'm teaching a sermon I taught some 26 years ago. Another Pentecost. Hallelujah. <laughs> That's the title. That's what we have been going to since. We're trying to get there. We're trying. Amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. Another Pentecost. Okay, good. Um, where were we? Genesis 1, we're clear in the morning. Were we clear in the morning? In the beginning. Change it for me. Oh, boy. In what? In what? The new beginning. Okay? In the new beginning. What else did we see? In the firstborn. What about first fruit? Okay. God created the heavens and the earth. Remember that? Now, notice we said the word earth is the word Eretz. Now, in the morning we said this is a parable using known things to describe spiritual things. Can you remember that in the morning? Okay, good. So, this is not creation of matter at all. Tohu, bohu simply means chaos. Now, chaos, disobedience, rebellion, and all that. So, look at this. So he says here, the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. So what we have here is a new creation. We saw that, right? We saw that? Now remember what we did in the morning. Go back to Exodus 20. Remember Exodus 20? The comparison we did last night and this morning, good. Let me give you a big background. Exodus 20, then Genesis 2, verse 1 to 3. We're going to, happen, we're going to read three texts together, so you, 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 you be on the alert. Genesis 2, verse 1 to 3. I told you in the morning that technically Genesis 1 should end in Genesis 2, verse 3. Remember that? Because that's where it ended. Genesis 1 should end in Genesis 2, verse 3. It's a technical way to end it. In fact, in King James also does it somehow, if you have the King James. So put it there. Then you have Exodus 20, and then Deuteronomy chapter 5. Now I want to read something out for you in Genesis chapter 2. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God ended his work which he had made and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made and God blessed the seventh day so seventh day is repeated 
Now, listen well and very well. Recall what we said the other day. That's why I'm, when you are in church, like what Pastor said in the morning, don't get distracted at all. You need to pay absolute attention. Particularly when you have a pastor and anyone who comes around who pays attention to details. Even in their jokes, they pass something across to you. Now, recall how I, it looked like I was joking, but I was explaining how scriptures were written. You'll see the importance now. It's not that Moses sat down somewhere or any of the authors, they might not even have written them at all. Don't get, don't freak out, right? Don't freak out. Don't freak out. Don't freak out. Stay on your seat. Because they call a book David doesn't mean he wrote it. Relax. Okay? No one carried a stenographer around. Typewriter. Did you see what I just said? Did you write it? Write it in down. Don't see it. The Lord is out to spell S. <laughs> no. That's ridiculous, right? <laughs> no, 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 no. That's not, <laughs> that's not how it's done. Amen. <laughs> so, <laughs> what happened is all Bible, just Moses, you know, those patriarchs, they had, I'll give you one in a moment. They had what you can call scribes who worked with them, so or sons or disciples. So after they had gone, now of course Moses had Deuteronomy and laws which he put in the ark that he gave to uh, uh, Joshua, Deuteronomy twenty-eight. But listen now, he couldn't have written Moses died. Moses wrote that Moses died. Hmm? Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> so, which means there's a secondary author, right? Come on. Good. I thought we, thought we saw Ezekiel too, right? Someone was writing, and the word of the Lord came to Ezekiel. And Ezekiel, how can Ezekiel write? And Ezekiel? So, which means they had people who, after the demo, said, okay, guys, let's put together the things that Pastor Ezekiel taught. Well, your Pastor Elijah, you know, I didn't say Elijah, I said Ezekiel, you know. <laughs> let's put together what he taught and so you bring yours I bring mine are we, are we still inspired we think inspired is like white garment that's right the Lord we get it right we get it right we get it right we get it right this is the psalm of David no is that how you write your own books <laughs> so they'll bring together those things and put it together in an intelligent way have you tried to write as someone is speaking is it going to be neat you're trying to tell me how you're writing right <laughs> you're trying to tell me I'm writing rubbish something like that right <laughs> So, so, but you know, 
But you write better when it's recorded and you're taking the notes gently. But you write best when you have exams. Okay. <laughs> so that means you have edited what you wrote to make it more intelligent. Don't you think the Bible needs such common sense? Can someone help you edit it? No, 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 cannot edit the word of God. <laughs> if you edit the word of God, your life will be edited. <laughs> no. <laughs> People did edit it. Right? Because they will take what you said in writing so that it becomes sensible. Is that still inspired? Yes. So which means the inspiration of the scriptures is not an event. It's a process. From the spoken to the written to the editing to the reformatting. Come on. Is it making sense? Is it making sense? Very good, very good, very good, very good, very good. So don't expect. Oh, Lord have mercy. Don't expect things to be written chronologically. It's written systematically. So I'll explain what I mean. So you have those who put the things down. Have you, have you wondered, did Abraham write? Nope. The writing science was not in existence. How come we got what they said? Did they record it? Did they have a recorder? We don't even have accounts of things said 200 years ago in recording. So how do you think they did it? Let's see the first account of the written word. Are you here? Genesis chapter 15. Having fun? You're quiet, why? Oh boy, you're learning something. Like you don't like having fun, Pat. Like, no, not having fun. Genesis 50. This is Joseph. Now, Joseph has gone to Egypt. Egypt is like the basin of civilization and knowledge. So, hello, God likes education. <laughs> the two key writers in scripture, three really, Moses, Paul, and Isaiah, they're, well, they're intellectual people. Don't you like what they wrote? Or what they said. Okay, look at this. You have Joseph. Joseph has gone to Egypt. He's no longer just interpreting dreams. He's now learned. Right? Because when he went, you know, he, he just knew, knew about code of many colors. But when he went to Egypt, he knew, you know, he knew about management. You know, management. Yeah, management. Yeah, management. He. He knew things. He knew how to put things together, facts and figures. You know, because he, he, wasn't, he wasn't ruling Egypt by speaking in tongues. Uh, give that guy two bags of rice. That's what I'm there to do. 
<laughs> he, he has some intellect, right? So look at what he does. So before now, you have Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They knew God's promise, so he's communicated orally. God speaks to them orally. They communicate orally, and so they communicate God's word orally. But look at something unique happened here. Genesis 50. You're in church. Right, look at this. Verse 24. Joseph said to his brethren, I die and God will surely visit you. Now they're in Egypt. How did he know God will visit them? His grandfather had God tell him that in Genesis 15. Come on. Are you with me? God will surely visit you. Genesis 15 verse 14. Also Genesis 48 and 21. Where this was already predicted. Jacob had said it. And bring you out of this land to the land which is swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So he knew that by oral tradition. Now listen to verse 25. It took an oath of Israel saying, God will surely visit you. You shall carry up my bones from ends. So which means the written record of God's promise for the first time is in the bones of Joseph. Okay? The bones of Joseph. So the bones of Joseph, because, sorry guys, don't think they were using emails. Right? Or you thought they had exercise books. You, you recall that if you go look at ancient archaeological things, so I do a little bit of archaeological, so I do Bible translation, so I have to do some archaeology. You find out that many cultures use stones. And then the stones were advanced technology. So oftentimes people's wishes at that point was put in their bones, embalmed, so that their, their children's children will read it. So that's the, one of the first forms of the written word. You don't like that. God's word written in bones. I bind the devil. <laughs> in Exodus 13, 19, so they're about to leave Egypt and Moses took the bones of Joseph with him for he had slightly sworn the children of Israel saying God will surely visit you and you shall carry up my bones. And so you find out that they recorded God's promise which, watch this now, you can see the codified language. God will surely visit you as he told Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So the stories of Genesis 11 through to Genesis 50, assuming, were codified in a short format. Who's following this? So they have the oral and they have the codified, which is the written word. Are you learning something here? So every generation will refer to because they knew Joseph brought them there. So I tell you about Joseph brought us here. They go to his bones and say, and God will surely visit us. Visit you why? Because he made a promise to Abraham Isaac. Who is Abraham Isaac? Your father's father. Okay, good. What happened? Then they'll begin to retell the stories. So they will take the written word, the written bones, and teach from the written bones and refer to the written bones. But by now, Egypt had gone bigger. They have the written format. 
which is not today's. It's not today's uh, pages or her. So, what's going on? Joseph documents events that happened before. Children of Israel knew about it. Okay? So, what was written was first to be spoken to be written and is written to be spoken. So, we have that at the back of our mind. Now, you want to explain it in a, an intelligent format. You are now in a more modernized world. You now need who? Editors. Who will take what was written in a short form and put it in an intelligent format so that it can be understood. Are they inspired? But they are inspired intelligently. So they will put it in a format of a doctrine so that you can teach people with it and intelligently so. So Moses, first of all, does that. He writes the laws in a book called the Sefer, puts it in the ark, and that includes the record of God's promises to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and through Joseph. So therefore, Moses will preach it as he's preaching it and explaining it to the children of Israel morning to night. It's in Exodus 17, 18. You will now have people who will document it, right? And then they'll come together and say, oh, um, Pastor Mikom, you were in that class? Yeah. What did he say? He said on the fourth day. All right. No, no, no. It's a fifth day. What's it? Fourth day? Just the same way you do your own books. Tell the book drop down. Bam. This is the word of God for you. No. So they put it together in a written and intelligent format. So, if the first audience of the written word will be who? Huh? Church of Israel. Thank you. You are a brilliant church. I will give you nothing. So, if you are writing to the children of Israel... You're going to be writing about God's promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? Because that's what we said is in the bones, right? Okay, now follow this, follow this, follow this. So, if they are your first audience, the opening chapter of what you are writing there will be their present condition. Ah, are you not following? So, in the new beginning, because they needed a new, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. It's referring to who? Is it clear now? Okay. So, that's what Genesis 1 is about. Now, but pay attention to where I started from. It says, God rested the seventh day. And you read from Genesis 3 to 50, there's nothing called seventh day there. So that means that account 
is only understandable or understood by who? Israel in Egypt. Because the concept of the seventh day is a borrowed culture from Egypt. Abraham didn't have it. Isaac didn't have it. Uh, Joseph did not have Even Joseph didn't have it. It's in the ancient Near Eastern culture where that day is supposed to be sacred. So the seventh day concept, hear what I'm about to say very well. If God borrowed human language, did he borrow human language to speak his word? Did he? Aha. Uh-huh. He will also borrow human tradition. Just like circumcision. Circumcision was, didn't come from God. Don't you observe that African cultures without Christ circumcise? Or you thought it was a spirit that just came to their heart unknown? Oh, I circumcise. No. The offering of sacrifice to supernatural beings of God. Do you have it in Africa? Is it, did it come by the gospel? The building of shrines for idols. Did he you have in Africa? Did it come from the gospel? Good. Are you learning something here? So, the concept of the seventh day. You know, I told you I was going to tell you what Old Testament is. Old Testament is when God temporarily uses or he accommodates human cultures and tradition to pass across his word. It's not the message that is Old Testament, it's the medium. You got that, yeah, good. So, seventh day or Sabbath is not known by Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob or Joseph. It's a concept of Egypt. In fact, let me mention this. The, all the feasts of the unleavened bread, the feasts of the first fruit, the feasts of uh, 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 the Passover were things they borrowed in Egypt. That is why they call it the Lord's Passover. This one belongs to the Lord. Okay, so the concept of seventh day, therefore, didn't emanate from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It is a medium of communication, which the audience understood. Are we okay? Are we okay? Yeah, plan. Yeah, think. Yeah, we should be. So, Exodus twenty. So, you are going to sit where Israel sat. You are seated now. You have Moses is preaching. And Moses, did he consistently call them stiff-necked? Disobedient? He did that? Did he? Okay, good. So, he rules out. Exodus 20, because of time, let's just run through what we did yesterday. We said everything is similar. Deuteronomy 5, Deuteronomy 5, sorry, quickly. Exodus 20, 25, so we said everything is similar until verse 11, Exodus 20, 11, and Jeremy 5, verse 15. So, for in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day therefore, wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. That's Exodus 20, verse 11. Deuteronomy 5, verse 15. Remember that thou was a, a servant in the land of Egypt, that's a slave, 
and the Lord thy God brought thee out ends through a mighty hand. Now, the mighty hand is also the spirit, right? Huh? Come on. I am by the stretch of hand as a spirit. Therefore, Lord, I commanded thee to keep the Sabbath day. So, the creation account of Genesis 1 is a redemption story. So, you can read Genesis 1 as how God rescued them as slaves. Or like we said in the morning, light out of what? Darkness. It's a redemption story. So, which means the Bible opens up with the story of what? Redemption. It opens up with a redemption story. A redemption story taught with the parable of what? Of material creation. Is it, get, is it getting clear? Good. So, the parable is to use... something else to explain what is being said. And if you pay close attention, you will see that the light is not the moon and the sun and the stars. And like we said yesterday, part of what was created in the earth is heaven and earth. You saw that? Heaven and earth was created where? In the earth. And we saw in the morning that heaven and earth means visible and Who's following this? Come on. So what we have is new creation story. That's what we have. It's not material creation. It's not material creation because Moses would not sit Israel down to teach them material creation. He's teaching them the promise God gave to Abraham. Which is a redemptive story. And so don't forget, what he brings to their attention is that God will visit you. And visit is redemption. That's what he's teaching. So we sit right now where they sat. So Sabbath is unknown to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But it is used to communicate God's redemption. So, God uses human culture to teach his word, however temporarily. Let's see one. There was a day, Jacob, Genesis 28, he had a vision, and then he got up and he saw the vision. The vision was about the fact the place was holy and sacred. So, he takes oil. Oil. He wasn't told by anyone to take the oil. But it's in his culture that where you have a supernatural visitation, that place is sacred. So he takes oil and pours oil there. So the use of oil to treat sacred things did not come from God. God only borrowed it. Because that is how he can communicate his word. Now let me ask again, because again we're Africans and this is very close. Have you observed those who do traditional worship? Do they put something on the surface? Was, were they led by the Spirit? Were they reading the Bible when they were doing it? No. Did God adopt that culture? Now, don't get scared. Did he? Yeah. However, temporary. 
So if you see someone, now let's stop a little bit. This may, uh, if you see someone who is steeped in a particular culture, right? And you want to communicate another culture to him entirely, you must first, you must first start with what he understands. Right? So what do they understand about a sacred place where you pour oil? You have to start from there. And this shows you that God is really accommodating. He accommodates their culture. Remember we said in the morning, or see yesterday, we said that the culture of the firstborn is also human culture. And does God accommodate it? Yes. Giving sacrifices, God also accommodates it. I mean, animal sacrifices. It didn't, there's nowhere, and let me mention this quickly. There's nowhere, for example, in the entire book of Genesis, where sacrifices were made because of sin. Not one place. Not one. The sacrifices were done because someone sinned. It's not anywhere in Genesis. So it is not from the foundation of the world. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's not anywhere in Genesis. So, that means if Sabbath is human culture, Passover human culture, anointing oil on the surface. One more. Remember, Jacob said, if you will save me and preserve me, I will give you a tenth, which is called tithe. Again, the tithe is human culture. Honor culture in the human culture. When Abraham also came back from the battle and he came back and he had spoils, he gave a tenth. He wasn't told. It's just in their culture. He wasn't told. But the culture of giving tithe was honor, right? Now, is honor of God. So God will use the human culture of tithe to teach what? Honor, temporarily. It's treating a place sacred of God. Huh? But using oil is of men. So God will use human culture to communicate his word. However, temporary. Who's following what I'm saying here? Very good. So, treating a day as sacred. Sabbath. Which is holy in culture. Would God want us to treat his own day as sacred? Huh? But his own day is not a Sunday. His own day is eternal. Are you there? <laughs> so he will use the human culture to pass across his word. Who's following this? Is offering animal sacrifices human culture? Yeah. Is living by sacrifice for others God's word. Huh? So how would God communicate that? He will use human culture to communicate his own culture of sacrifice and service. So the practice of those things is Old Testament, but the message is not. Let me see under the following what I'm saying here. The message is not, the practice is. So, Sabbath 
We'll see all that in the morning tomorrow. Sabbath, Passover, Pentecost, first fruits. We'll see what it means. What does it mean? So, let's see something quickly. Abraham, and then we'll leave it from there. Genesis 12. So, write this down, let's see what you're following. Genesis 1 2, the Bible opens with the earth, right? With a, wait, wait. Genesis 1 1, God created. Huh? Is that recreation? Let me see what I are taking notes. In the new beginning, God recreated heavens and earth. Huh? People? People? How is he going to do it? Verse 2, by his. So which means that God's plan is a new beginning of the, of the earth, right? For men, right? New creation, new beginning, salvation. So he picks a guy called Abraham and he says to him, get out of your country, your father's house, Genesis 12, 1. Unto a, unto where? That word land is the same word Eretz. <laughs> unto a land I will show you. Now look at me. I will reveal to you. And many times, how did God reveal it to him? You know, God never took Abraham on an helicopter. Come and see Nigeria. You don't see him. I will give you. So how is he showing him? In visions and revelations. Are you there? So to the earth. So what land did he show him? Genesis 1, 1. Genesis 1, 2. Who's following this, please? Which is the walk of the Spirit in men all over where the world so what he kept showing abraham is what genesis 1 verse 1 to 2 is saying making sense is it making sense so it's not a piece of property in the middle east it doesn't make sense to learn i will show you If you think it's a piece of property, then you got it wrong. Because the Bible opens up with the earth was without form and void and God says, let there be light. So in this earth, it will be full of what? Light. Separated from darkness. Will it yield fruit? Supernatural? Come on. Come on. Now. Is that still the earth? The land, okay? It will be the walk of the spirit. Come on, now, are you with me? Are you following this? Are you following this? Are you really following this? Well, let's see Genesis 28. So it's not a piece of property. Abraham saw a piece of property. He says, Lord, Abraham, I'm going to give you a good land. What kind of house do you want to build? Three-story building? <laughs> 
Yes, it's 28. You learning something here? You know, sometimes the challenge we have with God's word is not that it's complex. No, God's word is complex, not complicated. That's the right word. I, I, I joke when people say the Bible is very simple. <laughs> no, it's not. But it's not complicated. Amen. It's not, no, no, the Bible is so simple. You don't need anybody to teach you. Did you say something? People say you don't anyone to teach you. Who are you? <laughs> Have you seen my people say the Holy Spirit taught them anything? They say nonsense. You just hear rubbish. You can say, What the Holy Spirit is teaching me? Just be ready to hear nonsense. Because <laughs> you always say crap. You got the grammar wrong. You say the Holy Spirit is teaching you. Bring that spirit. Let me teach that spirit. <laughs> we just saw that the earth here refers to people but the Holy Spirit shows you her state <laughs> Holy Spirit needs salvation that Holy Spirit is not God let it up you let it up yes it's 28 alright this is Jacob he's running from his brother whoa, whoa, whoa. then he gets to verse 11 because See, guys, look up. Look up. If you want to show someone a land, you don't need a vision. Come, let's go. I need a vision to show a land. Okay, maybe 3D. <laughs> I want you to buy one land, see? but you will sleep and I will show you. <laughs> That's 419. <laughs> every time God showed Abraham that line it was through what? a vision amen are you learning something? are you sure? I feel like I'm in my church you like it that way? I know you're not struggling in Jesus name alright so verse 11 I'll take verse yeah so here is a, a uh, Jacob. Sorry, he took stones of the place and put them in his pillow and lay down in the place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, a ladder set up where on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. That shows you the earth and the heavens are in the same place. Are you here? And behold, the angels of God are sitting on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it. Are you there? Let's go on. Let's read. And said, "I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father, the God of Isaac." Let's read. It. Come on. The land that thou liest, to thee will I give it unto thy seed. Now hold on, please. Before we get, before we look, the land you lie. There is a vision that the land you lie. Then he didn't wake up. <gasps> the land you lie. So, the, wake up! Somebody, if you want to show someone a land where he's lying, are you going to keep him sleeping? You wake up. Jacob! Yes, Lord. Look at this land. It's your own. 120 by 60. How can you keep him sleeping and you're still telling him the land? Thank you. So, what kind of land is it? No, because we have been materialistic, we're looking for a piece of property. You won't get that one in Christ. 
The earth of Genesis 1 is people that are led and rescued by the Spirit. Is it clear? So let's see this. Verse 14. Let's go. Thy seed shall be as the go on and thou shalt spread abroad to the west to the east to the north to the south and in thee shall let's assume he's talking about Israel. How many people can stay in the Israel? All the families of the earth. Even Lagos, they will run. If we move just Lagos, hey! <laughs> Israel will tear. <laughs> now remember, all the families will be many generations. There is no country that can contain that. He's talking about the whole earth and the work of the Spirit of God. Let me see if you understand that. <laughs> Hallelujah. That is why it had to come by a vision. So those people that are fighting is our land. Israel is our land. It's our land. They need Bible study. Bible study. Real Bible study. Amen. Up up Jesus. Don't know Satan. Verse 15. Behold, I am with thee. That's Jesus, right? I will keep thee in all places where you go. Can you imagine? He will keep going. Is that evangelism? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where you go. So, watch this. The land that you stay has to be where you are going to go. Because the spirit overs over the face of the waters. Arise and shine. For the light is come. The glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. Darkness shall cover where? The earth. Gross darkness its people. Is that Genesis? Creation theology? Beautiful. Look at this. Where you go, I will bring you again into where? This land. Ah, uh-uh. So this land is not a particular place. I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken of thee. Jacob got up and he said, the Lord is in this place and I knew it not. Then he called the place the gate of heaven. The house of God. That word is Bayith. B-A-Y-I-T-H. Oh my. You gotta get this now. You must get this. Watch, watch, watch this. In verse 12, he saw a ladder where heaven and earth met notice I don't have the time but I'll chase you back there Genesis 11 there were some folks who built now we thought it was a skyscraper you know that's Jehovah's Wickedness book die by fire die by fire die by fire all the Jehovah's Wickedness theology in your mind die by fire die by fire die by fire affliction shall not rise second time die by fire die by fire die by fire <laughs> so reaching the heaven cannot be disguised
It's for the supernatural. So what they were building was what was called a zugarath. Call it a temple complex. It's a temple for a people. Notice the people will be there and heavenly beings will be there as well. And God scattered them. So what they were trying to do, which is not God's will, he calls Abraham to do it. Now in Genesis 28, we've seen it said to Jacob. Watch this. Heaven and earth. Is that Genesis 1-1? Come on. Heaven and earth. Heaven and earth is another word for temple. So, watch this. See, this is the house of God. Be'ith, B-A-Y-I-T-H, is used for a household or a house where a family stays. So, is God building a family to Abraham? Huh? I hear you. Is God building a family to Abraham? Isaac? Jacob, come on, talk to me. Is that family his household? Is it his place of dwelling? Okay, so we have household and a place of dwelling. And how many people will be in this household? All the nations of the earth. Hallelujah. All the families of the earth. You there? Genesis 1, 2. Is that Genesis 1, 2? Spirit of God moving over the nations. So Jesus, the last, the first and the last, he comes in and he sees a temple and he gets into the temple. Remember, the temple is called the meeting point of heaven and earth. He comes into the place. That's why in the temple, they, they make it in such a way that they have what they call the holiest of all. The holiest of all represents the supernatural, heaven. Jesus gets in there. What does he do? He scatters the whole place. Then he says, you have made my father's house. That's what he calls it. A house of thieves. And so they said to him, what's the sign of all this? I hope I had the time. I wish I had the time. Then he said to them, Destroy this temple. After three days. So Jesus calls the Father's house what? The temple. After three days, I'll raise it again. I'll raise it again. Because it's time for the last days. I'll raise it again. And they think you are crazy. Raise what again? You know how many years it took us to build this? They're so carnal. When he rose from the dead, it was 21 to 22, his disciples remembered that he spoke about his body. Now, is that his physical body or his body? His body. His body. Are you there? And then they believe the scriptures. So in John 14, 2, in my father's house. Can we say, say, in the temple? Huh? In my father's house, there are many mansions. Household? Place of dwelling? In how many places? Why do you say many mansions? Because it's going to be everywhere in the world. 
So the land God showed Abraham is not a piece of property. It's not where to build a skyscraper. He gave him a vision of people with the promise of the spirit. That's why Paul says the blessing of Abraham will come on the Gentiles. Those who receive the promise of the spirit through the faithfulness of God. Hallelujah. Because the promise of the spirit is the land that he showed him. So Hebrews 12. I close here. Learning something? Hebrews 12. So tomorrow morning we'll know why Pentecost. Hallelujah. So you stop thinking Pentecost about speaking in tongues. Glory, glory, glory. <laughs> Hebrews 11. Amen. Hebrews 11. Watch this. Verse 10. I'll start from 9. By faith. What's faith again? God's faithfulness that we believe. Alright, good. He sojourned as Abraham in the land of promise. As in a strange country. Dwelling in tabernacles. With Isaac and Jacob and heirs with him of the same promise. And look for a city. The word city is the word police. P-O-L-I-S. City. Which has foundations. Whose builder and maker is God. Hmm. For you to know, he's not talking about real estate. He says, through faith, Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of child. One should pass it because she judged him faithful and promised. Let's say 12 together. Therefore sprang there even of one, as of him as good as dead, as many as the stars of the sky, multitude, as the sand is by the seashore, innumerable. So what they saw, what the land of promise is people. They all died in faith. Look at verse 14. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. For if truly they had been mindful, verse 15, of that country from where they came out, they might not have had a position of return. Verse 16. Now they desire a better country that is in heavenly. Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he had prepared for them a city. It's not real estate. Hebrews 12, 22. we close here. For you are come to where? Mount Zion. To where? To the city of the living God. The heavenly Jerusalem. To an innumerable company of angels. To where? The general assembly. The church of the firstborn. Genesis. Which are written in heaven. To God the judge of all. And the spirits of just men. Made perfect. So the land given to Abraham are people hallelujah who are saved by the spirit come on indwelled by the spirit the household of God the family of God hallelujah in God's new creation God's new beginning and are we a part of that are we a part of that stand to your feet give God praise thank you lift your hands this is the land hallelujah this is that earth. This is the land. Oh, glory to God. Oh, glory to God. So wherever we see without form or void, we say, let there be light. Hallelujah. 
Wherever we see without form of void, disobedience, and let there be light. You know what's going on? The Spirit is upon us, so we arise and shine, for the light is come. The glory of the Lord is risen upon us. Lift your hands and bless the Lord.